This is a CNA podcast. Hello and welcome to CNA Correspondent. This is the podcast where our network of correspondents shine a light on stories from wherever they are in the world, from groundbreaking events to up-and-coming trends. They're your eyes and ears around the globe, bringing you behind and beyond the headlines, examining issues, meeting people, and exploring places. On today's edition, we're in Japan with the shocking assassination of a former prime minister. Here's some breaking news coming out of Japan. We understand that Japanese broadcaster NHK says former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has reportedly collapsed in Nara in western Japan and gunshots were heard in the vicinity. NHK says Mr. Abe was bleeding as he was campaigning around 11.30 a.m. local time. We also understand that he has been sent to the hospital. That was my CNA colleague Shahida Othman breaking the news just after 11 a.m. on Friday the 8th of July. It dominated the news cycle for that day and the days that followed, and playing an integral part of that coverage was our longtime Japan correspondent Michio Ishida, who joins me now to talk us through events that day and since. Michio, thank you for your time today. It's great to have you on. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Yeah, so let's start at the beginning then when you found out the news. What was your initial reaction? Well, at that time, I was watching TV news bulletin of a private network and there were no signs of breaking news. But then my editor called me and shouted, Abe is shot. Now, I was skeptical at first. How could he be shot? Because guns are not allowed in Japan unless you're a licensed police officer or a member of the self-defense force. Anyway, I quickly switched to uh, Japan's public broadcaster NHK and I was just flabbergasted. I knew I had to quickly prepare to go live. So this was my initial reaction. Yeah, and like you say, in Japan, firearms are not easily accessible. And news that came in was also a little bit vague. It was he had collapsed, sound of gunfire had been heard, but they were being very cautious about what information they were sort of relaying. Did it make it harder for you to find out and what was going on? Well, you know, it didn't take so much time until um, broadcasters began to run the news and um, started to say that Mr. Abe was under cardiopulmonary arrest. Wow. I mean, I was shocked. Uh, I thought, wow, so somebody did actually use a gun to shoot Mr. Abe. It was so shocking. I mean, I could never imagine of anyone being shot like this in Japan, except for perhaps crime syndicate. But otherwise, how? And, you know, he was in an election campaign. And election campaign, um, there are lots of people surrounding, but you never hear of serious violent actions. Uh, So it was shocking indeed. Yeah, and it's such an unusual thing to happen in Japan. You must have known the scale that this was going to entail and that you were going to be in for a very busy day. Yes, um, yeah, I knew, but then my focus was all on what to deliver, what to talk about, the latest that's happening. I try to make sure that I didn't miss out on important news briefings, announcements, and I try to put my thoughts together. I try to give context to what Mr. Abe was doing at the site, that he was in an upper house election campaign trying to support um, his LDP candidate in Nara Prefecture. I was working alone, adjusting my camera alone, equipment, um, so it was tough juggling, but, you know, I was focused. My adrenaline was running. But when I, I heard that 
he passed at 5.03 p.m., whoa, I was indeed devastated. Yeah, it was really quite a, we're using the word shock quite a bit already so far in this podcast. You were on air, I think, for most of the day doing regular hits to give us up to speed as information came through. What was the hardest part about this breaking news story? Hmm. Well, one is trying to control my emotion because of the shocking incident. Even now, as I speak, you know, I'm recalling what has happened in the day and still I feel emotional about what's happened. Uh, one, Mr. Abe is a high profile figure. He was the longest serving prime minister. Everyone knows him. He's like um, part of the Japan family. So it's like losing a family member. Another is about guns being used. There are stabbing incidents in Japan. There are arsons in Japan, but you know, gun incidents are so rare. For instance, um, I looked up at the National Police Agency's um, website, and it shows that there were just 10 gun-related incidents in Japan last year, and eight of them were involving crime syndicates. So that's how rare gun incidents are in Japan. So that was so shocking. So with all the shock, you know, it was difficult for me to put my thoughts together, but I had to keep on going uh, throughout the day, making sure that I had the latest and making sure not only about Mr. Abe, but about the guy who shot Mr. Abe. Yeah, and those sort of details that emerged that the gun was a homemade by the perpetrator, that his reasons for this horrible attack on Mr. Abe wasn't a political motivation at all. It was a very personal motivation. Yes, indeed. That's what we've been hearing. He was telling police, you know, according to reports, that his mother uh, was related to a religious sect. The, well, the Unification Church actually came out to give a news conference, so we know it's the Unification Church. And apparently his mother was spending a lot on um, providing donations. Um, she inherited land from the grandfather, and she actually donated all the property to the religious um, organization. So all these, you know, transpired in the background of this incident. And now coming to light is this unification church. Are they causing all these um, problems in society, you know, taking away donations? So this has um, emerged. And Mr. Abe's, of course, um, relationship to the church, did he have any relationship? We find out that he did give a video message to the church on some kind of an event. Uh, but the church said that he was not a member and neither was he um, holding any kind of an honorary role with this church. Another thing that's um, coming up in media is that there are relationships between religious organization and politicians because politicians obviously want to attract voters and they need the vote. So how could they deal with this kind of situation of politics and religion sort of mixing? Yeah, it does raise a lot of questions to how that operates in Japan. Coming up next on CNA Correspondent, we'll talk about Jinzo Abe's last moments and how he'll be remembered in Japan. Hi, I'm Adrian Tan. And I'm Crispina Robert. We are the host of a new podcast called Work It. We're here to get into the essential things that no one tells you about working and company culture from office politics to dealing with burnout. If you've ever wanted to eavesdrop on an interesting conversation by the water cooler, this podcast is for you. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcast.
We're back with Michio Ishida for this edition of CNA Correspondent. Next, I want to play a clip captured on a handphone of Shinzo Abe's last moments before he got shot. It's a bit hard to make out, so I'll talk you through it. It starts with Mr. Abe making a speech in Nara in support of some of his party colleagues. He abruptly stops talking and there's sounds of gunshot and commotion. The next thing we see is a man being wrestled to the ground. And we also hear lots of shouting. Michio, you've seen the clip several times. Is there any way to know what's being said, either by Mr. Abe, of his last moments, and then the shouting that we heard? Well, obviously, Mr. Abe was making a speech to support um, his LDP candidate, but, you know, it's difficult to make out because the speech um, that we're hearing is in the middle of a sentence. But we do know that he was there supporting K. Sato. This was a competitive constituency. So actually, Mr. Abe was not expected to be in Nara on this day, but he was expected to go to Nagano. But hearing the previous day that the competition in Naranda was tight, he decided to change his schedule and ended up in this tragic way. Way. Now, uh, towards the end of the video, we hear uh, the crowd shouting, um, chanting something similar, but it's also very difficult to make out. Perhaps they were shouting a similar name or maybe calling for um, help, such as doctors, but it's very difficult to make out. Yeah, the good thing about everyone having a handphone is that a lot of this footage can get captured and can be deciphered, but, you know, it is taken in sort of the heat of the moment circumstances, so it's not always so easy to make out and get the big picture of what essentially happened on the ground. You mentioned about the upper house election as being the reason why Mr. Abe was there giving this speech. That actually went ahead, I understand. What was the mood on the ground of the day the upper house election actually went ahead, which you also covered? Well, the day of the election, I was at the balloting poll and speaking to some of the um, electorates, they were saying that they were really shocked with Mr. Abe's incident. And some of them were swayed to vote for the LDP, even though they usually are not supporters of the LDP. They felt that because of the incident, they want to give their support to the LDP, hoping that they will do good for the country. But what was more interesting for me was not voting day itself, but the day before, the last day of campaigning when candidates resumed their campaign after Mr. Abe was shot. I saw that cabinet minister's security was stepped up. There were more police officers than ever in Tokyo surrounding the campaign trucks. And Mr. Kishida was actually in the countryside rather than in Tokyo, giving his campaign speech to support candidates. But I heard security around him was really stepped up. Not just that there were police officers, but they were searching bags of some of the um, people of the public. And they also had metal detectors so they could go around and check and make sure that the crowd was not carrying any weapons or ammunitions or any dangerous that could possibly be a threat to Mr. Kishida. And this has not happened ever before. Yeah, it's understandable that everyone would be on edge, especially after what happened. But was it a surprise at all that it went ahead, that the campaigning continued the following day? That seems like a quite surprising thing happened, considering the profile that Mr. Abe has. Well, you know, I couldn't say yes or no. It was more like, 
what is the government going to do? And then Mr. Kishida came out to say, okay, this is a challenge uh, towards our democracy. We cannot give in, so we will go ahead and carry on with the election. So this was his decision, and I guess um, the public supported it. Yeah, it's one of those things that could sort of go either way, but you understand his desire to keep things going and perhaps what he thinks Shinzo Abe himself may have wanted to happen for it to carry on. There was quite an outpouring of grief in the aftermath. Give us a sense of what Abe's legacy in modern Japanese politics will be. For one, abenomics. That's a similar tagline. Uh, There's three arrows. And taking Japan out of deflation, for instance. Or in terms of international affairs, the TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, the U.S. under Donald Trump decided to pull out. And members were wondering, okay, what are we going to do now without the U.S., the biggest economy? But Mr. Abe took leadership and decided that it should go on. And the CPTPP was formed. And the Quad, the forming of a pact between Japan, U.S., Australia, and bringing in India to this framework. And he also developed the idea of a free and open Indo-Pacific. And this idea has become a worldwide now. So these are some of the big achievements of Mr. Shinzo Abe. And he's Japan's longest-serving prime minister, as you mentioned earlier. You've covered not just his career in the top job, but perhaps before that as well. How will you remember him? Well, I do remember him for all these policies that he put forward. But to be on the soft side of things, one of my best memories is when he appeared as Super Mario at the Rio de Janeiro Olympic Games. Uh, Remember a video showed he was trying to rush to Rio de Janeiro from Tokyo, but Rio's on the other side of the globe. And suddenly he transforms into Super Mario, travels underground, and he suddenly pops up at the stadium in Rio. And for a while after that, he was called Abe Mario. But I guess, you know, that would be the funny moment that I remember Shinzo Abe. Yeah, he certainly uh, is one for surprises uh, with things like that. Uh, There were some touching moments as well, uh, eulogies at the funeral from Mr. Abe's wife, Akie, and former Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Taro Aso. Could you just touch on, on a bit of what was said? Uh, Yes, Mr. Taro Aso and Mr. Abe, they were such good friends. Mr. Aso touched upon um, playing golf with him and drinking with him, but they also shared a lot of sentiments together. Mr. Aso said that in reality, he was the one who should have given an eulogy at Mr. Abe's funeral, but he will join Mr. Abe soon and he will share lots of talks on political affairs with Mr. Abe up there. And Mrs. Akie, well, we heard that before the casket was closed, she touched Mr. Abe cheek to cheek. Uh, This is a very emotional moment. And she said uh, during the funeral that this is still a dream and she couldn't really grasp what was happening. So we really hope that Mrs. Abe will be able to overcome this and will be able to move on. This is the most shocking way you would lose a husband, being shot like this. Unimaginable. Yeah, it certainly is. Michio, thank you so much for speaking to us today. It's not a story you ever want to happen or have to cover, but I'm glad we got you on CNA Correspondent to give our listeners a chance to hear about the story, a bit more details about it, what goes on on the ground during events like this when you're looking for information to be able to feed to our audience and as we try and keep our audience as informed as possible about these significant moments. Thanks very much, Michio. You're welcome. 
The TV version CNA Correspondent airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30pm. You can also catch up with it whenever you like on cna.asia. Do like and subscribe to this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes with our correspondents. Thank you for listening. Our podcast team is made up of Daniel Lee, Crispina Robert, Clara Ong, and me, Steve Lai. Bye for now.